Well, hello everyone, and welcome back to another adventure here on These Are the Voyages. I'm the captain, Captain Chase McKinney, and joining me for the kickoff to Season 2 of Star Trek Picard, my guys, Lieutenant Commander Eric and Lieutenant Commander David. How are you two doing? Not too bad. Um, not too bad. I mean... I hope I hope y'all are having a good weekend, you know, since since this all premiered. Um, enjoying some downtime or whatever before the work week starts or is starting for some people that are listening now. Yeah, definitely good weekend. Good, good. Eric had um as as we kind of alluded to in the last episode, Eric is an older man compared to the rest of us now. I know, right? Yeah, man. Have you applied for like AARP or anything yet? No, I'm officially closer to 40 than I am to 30. I mean, I mean, it's it's, it's somewhere in the middle, right? I mean, it's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but now I'm closer one way, aren't I? I mean, it's equidistant. If I'm going to use a math term, <laughs> it's it's equidistant. Uh, well, you know, I'm the old man of the group. I'm the wise old one that you should all listen to. Wise. We use that term very loosely around here. That's <laughs> <laughs> a wise guy, eh? Good, good. So uh, I know you're not, you're not. We, we talked about last time. You're not too crazy about like celebrating and things like that. But did you do anything special for the birthday? Um. Uh. Yeah. I mean, we went out to um, the Pearl, which is like this place in san antonio if anyone is familiar with it um and then uh, went out with the whole family today to some brazilian steakhouse here in san antonio yeah nothing too special was it fogo de show by chance no it was called like chama gaucha how about you david any any brazilian steakhouses for you brazilian anything for you no, we no Brazilians and or Brazilian steakhouses for me this this weekend. So <laughs> I'm sorry to disappoint. We do have two really good ones in the Columbus area. One's Texas Day Brazil and the other one I cannot remember the name of, even though I've literally think I've heard it like a hundred times over the past couple of weeks. Hints apparently <laughs> that I need to go, but I can't remember what it was. It's fine. But no, I mean, th- th- this weekend was actually uh, fairly nice weather-wise here, so I uh, had a short day hike, um, went and saw that Batman movie. Mm. Uh, I-, I didn't realize that was like three hours long. Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah, it was, it was long. Had a nice dinner beforehand and then, uh, you know, did my normal get too much popcorn thing afterwards because popcorn is life um mm-hmm. but yeah watch mm-hmm. that uh you know just kind of bummed around today so not nothing nothing too crazy cool I, I i didn't even realize that the batman was going to be coming out now like for some reason i thought it was coming out like you know late spring early summer type in of thing su- in the summer we thought it was a summer blockbuster yeah like i thought it was going to come out like in may or something like that like not beginning of march okay but i know we're gonna see it um uh, a couple years ago david might have heard of heard of this you ever heard of something called leaky con it's a harry potter convention yep so 
We went to one at least three years ago by now. And uh, we only went one day because tickets were just crazy expensive, I think, for the one we went to. And my wife, who's a Hufflepuff, by the way, uh, she wanted to represent Hufflepuff. And that was like right around the time that we had heard that uh, Robert Pattinson was being cast as the Batman. So, of course, she does like this mashup and she she like got like a Batman costume and like some Hufflepuff colors and got like a utility belt with snacks and she called herself Dark Knight Diggory. So, and, and carried around a, a flag, a little pennant type of thing that said, Cedric is our, and it had champion like crossed out and had Batman. So Cedric is our Batman. And uh, it it was cool. Like she was handing out nice. like candies and Wait, snacks. Wait, wasn't and... wasn't Cedric from the same house that Harry Potter was from? Nope, no. he was a Hufflepuff. Yeah. Okay. Yep, Cedric's a Hufflepuff man. I guess yeah. I thought I just I, I thought he was. There you go. Coming on to a Star Trek podcast to learn about Harry Potter. I love it. <laughs> I love I love to be being able to cross the streams. That podcast is coming at one twenty four. Is that what we decided? Crossing I mean, the streams. I can't. Well, yeah. I mean, one of our listeners should like you know keep track of like what, when podcasts are supposed to be released. You know the ones that we're cooking up. I mean, it's it's not like it's not like at least two out of the three people, and I'm not including myself, may or may not have very intricate spreadsheets of everything that we do here. So, you know, <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying if you already got it up, <laughs> new tabs. I, what? What's a tab? I've never heard of a tab before. Like the soda? New sheet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what I was talking about. <laughs> oh, Lord have mercy. Oh, man. So uh, we went to, uh, I think I was talk- telling you all about this um, on the, the Discovery recap, but we went to um, see the Fort Worth Symphony, um, and that was really cool. It was um, It was a basically a tribute to john williams essentially and it, it that was just just really stinking cool uh hearing all that music and um like towards the end like they i think like after intermission they played um what they play of course they played like star wars like towards the end but they like capped it off with um the flying theme from et and mm, that's a good one that's a very good one yeah. the the conductor though the conductor had um, some really cool stories. Like, like that's one thing I, I enjoy about the, like going to like some of these shows is like they give you like stories or behind the scenes type stuff, or just like at, just extra comments about whatever you know. And he was telling this story. Have you y'all ever seen the movie uh, Witches of Eastwick by chance? I have not. No. Okay, neither have I. And it has um, Jack Nicholson in it. Share. Uh, Susan Sarandon and Michelle Pfeiffer in it uh, came out in I think 19 um, I think it was like 80 something like 87 maybe thereabouts and anyways this the, the conductor was telling us how he was hired to essentially teach Jack Nicholson how to like mime the piano for like this piece that he had to play with Susan Sarandon on like um, I can't remember what the other instrument was but it was basically supposed to be like this seduction kind of moment that was kind of taking place. 
Well, they'd been practicing it for like two or three months straight, like him working at like Jack Nicholson's house and like in, in um, LA and other places. And it comes down to the day that they're gonna shoot. And apparently the, the director, I think it was uh, George Miller or something like that, was saying, uh, told Jack like, hey, tell him that we're gonna do this. And uh, Jack comes up to the, this guy and he's like, hey, do you know how to play this piece? And he's like, well, yeah, I mean, but you've been practicing it for months. Like, you know this, like, very, very well. Like, don't sweat it, man. And uh, anyways, it goes, he goes back and forth, back and forth. And um, eventually he's like, no, man, you're, you're going to do this. Like, you're going to do the close-ups for the shot. That's 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 how it's going to be. So they ended up, like, shaving his, his arms to, like, look more like Jack's. And they put him in his costumes. And whenever he gets to the part where they're about to play the piece at the symphony, he's like, you see these hands? when you see those hands those are mine on the, in the movie and everyone just started laughing I, I'm not doing the story any justice but it, it was really cool just hearing like how well he knew John Williams and just how much everyone really enjoyed the music on Friday night so that's my long ramble yeah I was just looking here uh, the music of John Williams is coming to the San Antonio Symphony on May 28th there you go yeah so that's a Memorial Day weekend for you mm, okay yeah. That'll be good. That'll be good. I'll have to go to that. Yeah, take your girlfriend. It'll be a good time. Right, it will be. All right, everyone, buckle up. We are about to talk Trek. All right, everyone, this is your red alert. We are about to go into finally discussing Star Trek Picard Season 2, Episode 1, The Star Gazer. March 26th. 2020 to March 3rd, 2022. Two years, basically. It's been a long road, my friend. Yeah, getting from there to here. That's right. It's been a long time. A long lot time. has a lot has happened. Just a, just a few things. Just <laughs> a few things. Yeah. The the world there, fell there's apart this little thing in the past two years. Do what now? The world fell apart in these past two years. Since yeah, it was falling apart when the first season was freaking ending, for crying out loud. But here we are. We did it. We made it. We did it. And holy cow. Holy cow. Um, I I really like... The, so I really like when shows, for the most part, kind of just start in the middle of the action. And then like we kind of like work our way back to it. Like it's like a, like a, just a little tease. And look, Eric alluded to this during our discovery conversation the other day. But oh my gosh, this was perfect. This was like, what ninety seconds maybe of like action, like stuffs going nuts. They have a few different shots compared to what we're gonna see a bit later on. And then there's a friggin' countdown, and then boom, opening opening credits. Okay, listen to me, Michelle Paradise. This is how you do a teaser. This, right here, absolutely perfect. We don't need 15 minutes of rambling stuff. Give us a minute and a half. We don't know what's going on. We're right in there, and we're hooked. That's the point, it's called the tease, because it's supposed to hook you. It's not supposed to make you start doing the dishes or something else while you're just waiting for the opening credits. This is literally the perfect like tease as far as I'm concerned. Like, I, I mean, I got up in the morning on Thursday to watch this and I was like instantly hooked. 
what's a really hot open to you know it's it's not just some casual hey let's get back in uh, picard here it's uh you know it, it's really intriguing as to what's going on and the other thing that i do think was kind of nice is that it wasn't solely focused on picard in the beginning we're following the three security officers on the turbo lift and uh you know you kind of see a little bit of their apprehension and their fear as they're stepping out of the turbo lift you know you you have uh you know whatever green bolts going all over the place so yeah it it was a really really nice way to open up the show yeah y'all know this is going to be coming at some point in in tonight's discussion it's just a matter of when y'all want me to do it is the music like opening credits yeah the opening credits music like oh my gosh i mean yeah i think we we were both in the opinion of they were pretty boring in season one mm-hmm. i mean kind of pensive right i mean i think that was what the show was going for in the first season but it's like the same music just rearranged and it's like much more effective but like chase you're the music person well david knows how to play instruments too so i want to give give him a little bit of credit on this too um I want to play like a couple clips as much as I'm able to um, and kind of like talk about it like in real time if that's okay. Like I don't want to spend too much time, but y'all, that cool? That's fine. Okay. Sure. So let's start with the beginning. So right away we have some dissonance that's kind of taking place. Like we have like some noise that's going on. But if you like really pay attention to how this starts off, unless I'm just absolutely crazy, you have two different time signatures that are taking place with this song or with this, with this opening music. So like the, like the standard Picard music, that's more of like a four, four time. And like what you're hearing, like with um, like more of like the, um, this, like the the more underlying tones that's more of like a like a three four um not not three four it's like a yeah three four so you're like you're dealing more with like a waltz kind of stuff so you have these two different melodies that are kind of in competition with one another two different time signatures i don't know if any if you notice that david at all like being a music person well i yeah, I, I didn't really think about the time signatures as much. I, I didn't hear enough of the clip to, to do a count there. But um, I mean, the comment that I would make is that you have sort of the the underlying um, kind of almost uh, apprehensive, quicker, more anxious mm-hmm. undertone. And then you have, a, you know, the sort of somewhat more happy or hopeful overlay as well so yeah no that way yeah, i i in, i actually really i enjoyed the first season i know you guys thought it was a little boring i actually kind of liked it for its simplicity but like i i do like the sort of um almost remix <laughs> kind of we had here yeah well and then like and like it just starts to like pick up like it starts to It becomes a much more, um, like, like the music becomes 
closer. It's like merging closer to like what we're actually used to with Picard, but with more of like a a much more um, well-rounded, I guess, orchestral arrangement of sorts beyond just. I mean, it was it was it was um, there was still there was an orchestra last time, right? But I don't know, like just just like more of what we're seeing, like especially with like some of the, like the harder sounds, and then as we get like a little bit further on. There's this, like, there's this, like, um, eruption of, like, like, almost like a sigh of relief, almost. Like, this is kind of how I'm, in, like, interpreting it. And just, I think, music always tells a story. Always tells a story. And composers, regardless of whether you're doing TV, film, video games, or anything else, they're trying to convey a thought, an emotion, uh, based on the, the phrases, the expressions that they use, the leitmotifs that they use, uh, with whatever's going on and we've seen like in the opening credits like there's like this anxiousness there's this like storm of stuff where there's like competing with one another and then there's eventually like an emergence later on of kind of where we're at right here with um it looks like a like a mushroom cloud um if you remember the credits it's like this little i don't know matrix looking mushroom cloud that the ship is flying towards. Anyway, this this music is just absolutely freaking gorgeous. So gorgeous. And if, like, to me, and I'd welcome any other, like, thoughts, ideas, opinions from you guys here in a second, but this has me wondering if like part of the story based on what we we've, we've seen of course in this first episode is two different timelines two different ideas two different somethings are in competition with one another and it's like a like a melding like they're going to like kind of merge together into this new ideal timeline or something like that thoughts ideas opinions that's way more thought than i put into it i was just like thinking that it wasn't well received in the first season so we have to remix it i i actually took it a little bit of a different way though i don't think it has i mean it it depends because i'm not the composer so they can say whatever sure. the heck they want they can even change your mind if they want to but for me i actually saw it more as not a theme for the show but a theme for picard because you know, as we've seen over the years, you, you have competing parts of Picard in not only his life and his choices and his personality. And then in this show, we see certain conflicts underneath of a somewhat more rosier life that he's leading, um, but still just, just can't kiss a girl. You know what I mean? So th there, it, I, I, I took a little bit more just to, be centralized to Picard less than than the show or yeah more Picard less show there we go okay Something fair enough like that fair enough I mean there's there I, I'm looking forward to like whatever it, it ends up being you know like whether it's what you're talking about David or it's something 
somewhere in the ballpark of like what I might be getting at. But the thing that I've noticed about Kurtzman, especially with these Star Trek shows that we've been watching the last several years, is that the opening credits seem to allude to something that's going to happen in that particular season. So I do think that that you you um, I do think that you you could be onto something though, David. Um, just I guess we'll we'll just see. I mean, we're only on episode one of ten for crying out loud. So I mean, we have a whole another nine episodes to figure it out. So okay, I'm good for now. I might come back to more music stuff, but I'm good for now. All right, all right. Jump forty eight hours earlier. Chateau Picard. It's harvest time, right? This is my favorite time of year. Like, there was a lot of Picard. Why didn't you ever find someone, a nice girl, and settle down in this episode? I think I think this is going to be a big theme of this season. But, like, he's sitting down here with Laris, and she's like, it's been two years, based, a year and a half, two years since Jabon has died. And I guess I didn't even realize that Laris and Jabon were married mm. in season one. Like, I, that, I did not get that from their really. I thought they were, like, stepbrother and sister or something. Or half brother and sister, I did not pick up on they were married, but this comes out of nowhere for me and really makes no sense at all. Where Laris is like, Hey, Jean Luc, come on, come here, come here, let me tell you something. Like, it did, I don't know, it came out of nowhere for me and it just didn't make any sense. But like, I think they're building toward a theme of, you know, why didn't Picard ever find love? And I don't know, this just felt like a weird way to kick that off to me. I, I really like this this whole little somewhat rosy veneer over the, the current set of Picard's life. You know, you have this sort of upbeat music going on. He's watching a label being put on one of his bottles. He's picking and eating grapes. And, you know, you have little transporter deals, transporting individual clusters of grapes and everything. Um, so I, I, I don't know. I, I really kind of enjoyed a, a lot of this because for me, I just, I've always enjoyed getting to know Picard a little bit more on a more personal level, but there again, I just enjoy characters mm-hmm. and in a lot of ways, characters can make a show for me as far as this whole little kind of relationshipy thing or whatever we're going to call that here. Um, I always just kind of got, a, a, a sort of a slight impression from season one that there was like more of a protectorate vibe you know over Picard and it wasn't so much like gearing towards this but Eric there's one thing that you gotta know about Picard what's that? Jean-Luc Picard's a sex machine All right, baby this guy he literally is this guy is a man alright now it doesn't matter if he's if he's 25 or if he's 85 all right, Jean-Luc Picard's got the moves no matter what century he's in. He literally is a machine that could probably have sex. So. He's literally a machine. <laughs> oh, man. He's fully functional. Did you, did you notice how like the show did not even mention synthetic Picard? I think there was one. There was, there was one like a jab at line. it with the uh, uh, who, what was? I, I'm still relearning the names again. But our doctor, Girardi. 
You look Jurassic positively po positronic. Yeah, you're, I think that oh, was the only time, though. But yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, did say that. Yeah. Yep, he's fully I bet, functional. I bet you the show is just going to completely ignore that. Oh, yeah. Which was like the, <laughs> oh, whole, yeah. the whole point that they were trying to make at the end of season one was like, if synthetics, you know, really deserve to exist and you're going to be like their speaker for them, then you should go and become them one of them that was like the whole theme michael shabon who's not involved in this season anymore michael shabon that was what he said at the end of season one but i feel like the show is just going to completely drop the whole synthetic storyline oh yeah yeah 100 yeah, for sure definitely <laughs> definitely so good payoff with that <laughs> the so i enjoy i did enjoy the the little fireside chat they were having there were like these two these two little things like like the handful of times that I have had a glass of wine or that I've like done like any kind of like cheers or whatever like you raise your glass you say to whatever and then you clink it if anyone's nearby and then you drink it's just like proper custom to like drink it it's like bad form if you don't and that was just driving me nuts like that they're like to Jaban and then they clink and they don't drink like, you, you just did a cheers, just to drink, drink the thing. What after they were like, Slancha, Lahayom, cheers, right? Here's they to you, big ears. The, yeah, here's to you, big ears. They did <laughs> all the different. <laughs> I mean, Picard is, I think at this point, he's 99, if not 100 at this point. And besides being fully functional, you know, and wanting to maybe kiss Laris or whatever. I mean, I was just I was just having a hard time with that little flirty thing like it's not, not I don't have a problem with him flirting. But like, man, Orla Brady, she's 60 years old. Patrick Patrick Stewart not 60 years old. And I was just thinking like a home health nurse like falling for you know, like their their patient that they're taking care of, or like at a nursing home, and like that's just kind of weird to me. That was just kind of weird. Would, would it help any if Picard just happened to pull out a horgon? <laughs> I'm seeking Jamaran. <laughs> My old first officer supplied me with many of these over the years. I think he keeps him around the chateau like freaking mistletoe year round. That would be a that would be an Easter egg right there. Yeah. Eric, this is your job. Whenever we're at the chateau, you need to be on the lookout for some horgons, okay? Okay. That's your job now. Log it in triplicate. Alright. Awkward moment that came out of nowhere for me. Then we get flashback, right? Picard is having a vision or a dream of he is. Child, his childhood when he moved to Chateau Picard and his mom is talking to him mm -hmm. and she's like, listen, you know, our, we're, as parents, we fight. It's what's going to happen. But you don't understand. I think this was great. I think like if you watch the ready room, Patrick Stewart talked about this and he was like, children are all unreliable narrators. So like maybe this is what happened, maybe it's not what happened, maybe he's misremembering. And then 
that's probably a clue to what you should pay attention to later on in the season. So if you haven't watched the ready room, Patrick Stewart was on there with Will Wheaton and he gave a really great interview. I thought very cool. I know, I know Chase, I'm sure you've watched it. I've watched bits and pieces. I haven't watched the whole thing though. Oh man. Anyway, anyway, his, 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 his mother's like, you know, come in here. If ever you see a problem, you know, just look up to the stars. If ever our, our, we're fighting as parents, just look up to the stars and imagine how small and inconsequential we are to everything that's going on up there. Mm-hmm. I thought that was like a really great moment. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we, we always kind of knew that Picard's dad was a bit of a bit of a bastard. You know, I think mm-hmm. we kind of got that throughout that. And then even even with his brother, you know, there was a reconciliation process there as well. Um, but and you guys probably know more than me because I've never once watched a ready room in my entire life. Eventually, I'll have to break that. But I have never once done it. Have, have, have we really learned much about his mother? I mean, like really learn anything about his mother? Because I, I actually really love this little scene with, with you know, with little Picard and, and his mom and, you know, him, her, her making this, this kind of connection with her son. It's like, we're going to fix this place up. We'll clear out the vines and the dirt. We'll paint on it. And he finds a little uh, painted rose that was on the window and everything. Like, I, I, you know, that's that's like a really sweet sort of back, you know, a little building block of someone's life or those type of memories. Yeah. yeah, I don't think we've ever learned anything about Picard's mother at all. No, no. There's been like a few passing conversations. I think one or two, maybe, especially from like the episode Family, if I remember correctly. But other than that, like this is like probably the thing to look to in terms of like Yvette. And um, I think this maybe is like the second third time that we've heard like Maurice being name dropped or at least mentioned somehow like his dad so yeah um, and then like we have like this like weird kind of like horror kind of vibe that kind of happens like there at the end like with like her being snatched or something like not really knowing what's going on with that so we'll see well, I, I think that, that, I think that still... part is like the unreliable yeah. narrator yeah, yeah. so we'll, we'll see we will see. Okay. So, um, pulling out. So he's like looking up, and you know we see we see it, you know finally pull away from like Earth and like the Soul System and so on and so forth. And then we see this other um, vessel that has hit some kind of anomaly in trying to get Starfleet to advise him like what the heck to do. Another subspace anomaly. There we go. <laughs> Why? I love a good subspace anomaly. Yeah, buddy. And um, do you, which, d- just just a button here, real quick. Do you think that these shows are are too are a little skittish about like kind of the war aspect in these shows, like actual like say like uh, I don't know, just you know, empire against empire type of deal anymore because that always used to be such a very common theme but now all we see are spatial anomalies or time-based stuff or 
like have have we have we wanted to go away from that sort of militaristic side of things did we did we get too much of that in the past or i have an idea well i think we're gonna get a lot of militaristic stuff in this season yeah but I'm more talking about space military, but yes, right, I, I'm right. 100% with you there, yes. <laughs> I mean, if if Star Trek is supposed to be, like just sci-fi in general, is supposed to be like a critique on like where we are right now as a society, um, I think maybe part of the reason why we, we maybe quote unquote shy away from it is that we're unwilling to take a side or at least try and see the other side of things like we were 30, 40, 50 years ago when we were originally crafting these kind of stories. I'm sure it makes sense. Yeah. Um, okay, so we're, we're getting ready to go to, um, to Starfleet Academy. But before we do, we got to find a cool looking first edition book before we head on out which of course is like the morning after kind of awkward kind of conversation type of thing between Picard and Laris. And that's about it pretty much. And um, yeah, like the time for us is over basically. Okay. And uh, here's your book by Spock and let's go off to Starfleet Academy and listen to Picard give an inspirational speech about looking up and being explorers and stuff like that. Um, you know, you know this this speech here and this setting. I think I think that the writers and producers are conscious of the fan, maybe some of the vocal fan dislike of where Picard was as a character in season one. Like he was this almost forgotten figure who had given up, and a lot of people felt like that was totally not Jean-Luc Picard, somebody who gave up. But to me, I always thought about it as a story about a man who had lost hope and was on a journey to find it again, right? And and that's, like, real. But for a lot of people, that they were really upset with that. And so a lot of people, I think, this right here, Jean-Luc Picard being an admiral and being part of Starfleet and helping lead a new generation of Starfleet officers is kind of where people wanted him to be at the beginning of season one. Mm -hmm. And I feel like this speech here, which is also going to be a theme of this season, I think we've heard this speech in in some of the previews, right? Space is not the final frontier. Time is the final frontier. And, you know, life rarely gives us a second chance. And sometimes we often think about what we would have done instead of what we did do. And I think that speech almost would kind of fit into the season one storyline as well. So I think the writers are really conscious of maybe some of that fan, I don't want to say backlash, but some of that fan maybe disappointment with sure. where the show started with, it, with Jean-Luc Picard. Sure. No, but he's, he's also has a sort of points to in quotations fight for again though you know i i think that we see this when you know maybe in our grandparents uh, you know people when they're older when they have those connection points that anchor them down to the moment um and in this case you know he has uh elnor who is a part of the academy now who's getting ready to take an assignment uh rafi's back in uniform you know rios is 
back in command so he's he's back in starfleet so it's i i think a lot of these you know friends slash family type of thing is is uh is kind of a way down point but i i do kind of i can kind of agree with you because like if if we just very slightly jump universes to you know another galaxy far far away that was the same type of stuff that uh, everybody complained about luke skywalker's angle when we got into the sequels and that was never really brought back around there was never a full circle moment for it to a lot of people's uh, satisfaction but yeah I, I i can agree with you there now whether that's because people were listening to to fans talk about it or not i don't know discovery might be a different show if if they if they listen to that but no, the I mean, discovery producers are going to do whatever they want i think yeah, i think that is like <laughs> we've learned that by now yeah just a little bit just a little bit uh that was one thing i was very happy to see is us like actually returning to Starfleet for crying out loud um, and not just being Picard like I think we've got I think we, we've checked the box on the one uniform appearance probably of Picard this season in the Starfleet uniform because the rest of the time I'm guessing bomber jacket with com badge well he didn't, even, he didn't even go to the Rios's ship in uniform yeah that was a little when he was representing <laughs> Starfleet right like here's your com badge like I get like you're an admiral and you probably want to wear like your MacArthur style like bomber jacket or whatever, but come on now like put put, put on put on the, the new thing man like you're an officer. But Picard's but the cool admiral, you know yeah. he he's the rebel admiral. <laughs> uh, more more on uniforms and other stuff later, but I did like seeing more Starfleet this season already, like and- so much more. And I think I think you see a reverence for the character for Jean-Luc Picard from the characters around him that I think was missing in season one. Like they're all like in awe of him and they're hanging on his when they're just like looking at him lovingly and and later on when he actually gets to the Stargazer, they all see him in the hall like, Oh my god, it's Admiral Picard, it's Admiral Picard, stand up straight, stand up, look, get my uniform, right? when he's walking down the hall and there's like a mm-hmm. reverence for the character that I think was lacking that also rubbed people the wrong way. Like there's that scene in season one where he shows up to, to Starfleet Academy to talk to Admiral Clancy Clancy. Yep. I would have gotten it. And he checks in at the front desk and like the front desk guy doesn't even know who he is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Some random, random ensign or whatever, fresh out the Academy. Anyway, so yeah, Elnor, Elnor's in, Rafi's back, Rios is back, we later find out, and of course Picard is back as the Chancellor, and we'll talk about him being Chancellor here in just a little bit, I think. Chancellor. Um, mm-hmm. Chancellor of Starfleet Academy. Oh, okay, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not of the Klingon Empire, okay? He's been at Chadich, but that doesn't mean he's going to become Chancellor of the Klingon Empire, my man, okay? Our Let's be real. Succession. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, uh, so a couple things are um, kind of happening, kind of fairly back to back for the most part. Um, we have we have Seven, who is now the captain of the La Serena, um, and we kind of find out that 
Um, all the little um, hologram programs have essentially been deactivated slash kind of merged into just the one with Emmett, who is essentially just like the only other person on the La Serena. And uh, they're basically fighting off some pirates who are trying to steal some stuff. And they have this heart to air quotes, heart to heart kind of conversation about like Borg and being kind of like rejected by people for like Borg technology and implants that she she wears and things of that nature. I don't think there's really much else that needs to be said. Yeah, but at the same time, the people they're, they're still talking about like the XPs are the hated people in the universe, right? Hated people in the galaxy. But then the Stargazer was built using Borg technology. Yeah, from the Borg uh, artifact. It's like yeah. If people still hate the Borg so much, why are we incorporating Borg technology? It's kind of like, I don't know, a weird messaging there. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you really wanted to jump down that rabbit hole, I think we could make that very relevant societally. Okay, sure. Just, just to be honest about it, like, but, I mean, I, I think, I think, the the whole idea of the Borg is is terrifying. It's technological zombification. Mm-hmm. is what it is it, it's it's it would be repulsive and terrifying to the human condition so the fact that seven has been taken away from that awesome but there are always going to be people who who lead with fear you know as opposed to logic and understanding so and when you think about it let i mean if you're not an engineer if you don't understand engineering or you're just like a passenger on just the stargazer for example you probably have zero idea that there's board technology helping either run the ship or supplement ship systems or whatever so ignorance is bliss right that's a fair point and the end of the scene kind of connects with an earlier one for the most part where seven looks out this screen with emmett and it's this same anomaly that we saw earlier that we're looking at, uh, which the scene then transitions to, uh, I believe it's uh, Soji and um, Jurati, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yeah. And Soji and Jurati are on this, uh, this diplomatic, almost like apology kind of tour of sorts for the synths. Um, trying to make a case for they're not bad, I promise. They're really good, trust me, type of thing, because I am one. And um, Soji, being being synth herself, is you know running like some kind of toast subroutine or whatever with some Deltons, by the way, which was kind of cool having the having the Deltons pop back in from the motion picture. Hello, everyone. How you doing? Welcome back to the party. Glad to have you here. And yeah, having a good old time and some random Delton hitting on Jurati and Jurati being her super awkward self. She's she's getting lit at the bar, man. Oh my yeah, gosh. She, yeah, but like and, and like she says this thing here. It's like uh the only relationships I've ever been in have only lasted less than a year and you know, I killed one of them, but you know, temporary alien insanity got me off of that. So I'm good now. And I'm like you knew exactly what you were doing when you killed Bruce Maddox, you were not insane. You were thinking perfectly clear. You should be in jail. Like, I, this this does not explain that away as far as I'm concerned. And I've been waiting two years for a good explanation and I did not get one. Mm. 
Mm -mm -mm. That's going to impact the rating right there. Right, I did not get a good explanation. <laughs> like temporary alien in induced insanity. Nope, don't buy it. Right. Give right. It, go back. Go back to the writers' room. Come up with something else. Mm. I imagine it'll come up later though, because she's clearly not okay. Like she's no. clearly not okay with herself, and I don't think if she was okay with that whole explanation, would she say that? so blatantly to some random dude hitting on her in a bar. I don't know, maybe well, when you're Gerardi, When you're drunk, still. you say things that you might not say otherwise. I wouldn't know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what? I've never been drunk. Okay. Okay. I'm just saying. Jeez. Well, um, let me tell you. You say things that you might not say otherwise. <laughs> With with this, I'm wondering, you know, if if maybe like a better excuse could have been like, you know, because of the work that was done saving a race of people or whatever on Capellius, your sentence has been commuted except for the fact that you have to go on this tour as part of a sentence to for it to be commuted or something like that. That's what I'm going with. That's that's head cannon accepted right there. Okay, then we get a hail from Chris Rios, right? In the nick hey. of time. I thought I, I was going to have to you. never talk to me again. What was the last word you said? And uh, yeah, yeah, Gerardi has to basically say bye bye to to Soji for now, and she gets beamed up up to uh, this random starship, which we have no idea what the name is at this point. And uh, we see him with a cigar in his hand, which, by the way, he never once actually lit it. Never once. It was just um, what what's the um. I, I was following um Doug Drexler. I followed Doug Drexler on um, on Facebook, and like there were people that were asking him about that, um, and he's one of like the art directors who actually worked on Next Gen, and like some of the other Star Trek shows. And he's like, yeah, if you pay close attention, he never actually lights it, so he never was actually smoking on the bridge. It's just like this um. Um, oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! Like What's an it called? Affectation. Affectation. Thank you. That was what I was looking for. Yeah, Thank you. Do you remember the Will Smith song "Big Willie Style" from back <laughs> in the day? Right. Of course I do. He was like, "I got the cigar it's for the look. I don't light it." <laughs> there we go. All right. Right. All right. <laughs> All right. Yeah. All right. Oh All right. So, what do wow. you think about Chris Rios? being in the captain's chair here we are now two years let's call it since the events of season one right he's back in starfleet he was a full commander we assume mm -hmm. when he left starfleet i don't know how long he was out you read the book does the book give you a timeline for how long he was out of starfleet the chris rios book mm. I want to say it was like five to seven years, wasn't it? Does that sound right, David? That feels right, yeah. Okay, so do you believe that, you know, from being a full commander, then leaving Starfleet for five, seven years, to now being per accepted back, being promoted to captain, and now being given command of this super advanced vessel, does that track for you? I mean, because like I understand why the show puts him in command of the ship, but does it make sense in universe for him to be the captain of this ship? In universe, yes. 
And the reason why it does, it's Star Trek. Star Trek is all about hope and bettering yourself. And I don't think that 25th century ideals are going to be the same as 21st century. 21st century, you're going to be working your tail off to become a captain. Especially with having a buddy as a four-pip admiral. Um, and the circumstances which led to Chris leaving Starfleet, yeah, I 100% think it tracks in-universe for 25th century humanity for him to be able to go right back to the center seat. Or, to I'm sorry, to be promoted to the center seat, period. Well, and it, also, you, you get a lot of times where risk-taking outweighs studious nature, which was kind of like tapestry with Picard. It's like, well, if you never took any risks, then this is where you're at type of deal. Uh, Riker even, um, uh, what was the, the away mission he was on? Uh, I, I, it's too late. I can't remember. I can barely remember it normally. Um, but he, he had been put in situations where he excelled or, you know, faced extenuating circumstances that add to the resume but i think chase hit the nail on the head when you've got a when you've got big daddy picard in your pocket anything's possible yeah yeah that's a fair point that i didn't even think of but like i like chris rios as a captain i like his command style and his demeanor that he's showing on the bridge and he's like i'm not going in here without some kind of plan and he's He's got his he's got his people and he's got his bridge functioning right and working and I I like it. Yeah, I will. Can, can can I just say though that it's like it's really nice to see a well-run bridge again, like where <laughs> even if people have doubts, it's like you know, Captain just kind of it's, it's cool, just do your thing or just let her do her thing. It's perfectly fine. All oh, you're on it. Yeah, you're on. I'm just saying. No reason though, by the way, no other shows uh, that would have precipitated those comments. None whatsoever, right? <laughs> there was okay so this this idea of just real quickly about rios and like kind of like the question mark of him being captain there is there was the one character uh on the bridge um not the trill uh lady the, Bajor, the bajoran comms officer no not her um man the bars on pilot is that who it was? I think it's. I think she was bars on. I knew If it wasn't, it was either her or the um, the African American woman. I think. Okay. Um, one. It, it was one of them. I can't remember, but like just like their their facial expressions just looked like they were kind of doubting, like Captain Rios, like they were just kind of like not fully on board, but they went with it anyway. I mean, that was just kind of my little takeaway but I think I think I, I, whatever it doesn't matter in grand scheme of things it doesn't matter so yeah of course we have this anomaly thing that we're seeing again like we're we're kind of no we're not seeing again but we're we're like kind of parsing out like this like calm thing of like what's going on um, after Girardi kind of like splits it in half which I don't understand like if you're a comms officer like why wouldn't you have thought to do that other than like Gerardi needs something to do on the on the bridge you know what I'm saying Gerardi needs something to do that's not even her specialty she's like a, she's robotics she's, 
She's robotics and artificial intelligence. Like she's yeah. not communications. Well, technically it is in her wheelhouse when we figure out who's sending it. So yes, if, as if the green color of it didn't give it away. <laughs> Why is everybody so dumb? Why can't they understand green is always bad? But it was like Borg green too. No one, no one thought of that. I mean, come on. No, but anyway, there's a message, bunch of different voices overlaid that are saying, help us, help us Picard. Mm -hmm. So we've got to get Jean-Luc Picard out to the anomaly. Yep, 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 yep. So we go back very, very briefly, very briefly to Starfleet Academy, and we're getting these assignments um, where the cadets and like other officers are being dispatched to different ships for whatever trainings or you know field cruises or whatever it is they're going to be doing essentially and along the way like we have some conversations like some personal conversations like hey maybe something to think about and Picard hands a book over to Elnor by Spock and quotes him and basically saying live a little like try not to get get in your own way like live a little you know enjoy the moment so to speak and uh course Elnor goes the Excelsior and so does uh, uh, Rafi Musiker Commander Musiker goes the, the Excelsior to kind of keep an eye on him so to speak and uh, asking about like relationships like hey how are things going with you and Seven oh touche touche maybe you should listen to the audio drama and that'll, that'll tell you how things are going <laughs> or how things were whatever yeah probably um, more how things were <laughs> <laughs> hey, spoilers! Spoilers! <laughs> anyway, Look, I, I, I like Picard and Elnor. I like the book giving and the little bit of advice. You know, it's like, hey, kid, just you know, just maybe watch a Nausicaan behind you. All right, that's all I'm gonna say. What do you mean? Don't worry about it. Just there's prosthetics for a lot of things nowadays. It's fine. But I, I, I like it, you know, you give a little mentorship to the kid again, so I, I thought it was cool. Yeah. yeah. And then I guess I guess we were almost gonna forget it. Like Picard, he's gotta travel to Los Angeles for some reason. There's something that's bugging the crap out of him, and who else is he gonna talk to about it? Not Laris. No, sir. No, he's gonna talk to Guinan. At, in 10 forward, by the way. Oh, golly. I mean, we knew that Whoopi Goldberg was coming back as Guinan because famously Patrick Stewart at, went on The View and asked her if she wanted to come back as Guinan, right? And like it wasn't scripted. It wasn't planned. He just asked her that. And she's like, yes. And so, honestly, I've been looking forward to Guinan coming back for a long time. I was, you know, say what you want about Whoopi Goldberg and where she is, you know, in her own personal stuff that's going on right now. Guinan was always, like, a favorite character of mine. Guinan was fantastic. And Whoopi Goldberg is fantastic as Guinan here. Like, this is this is pure vintage Guinan with all of the, the, like, the counseling, right, that she's doing here and the reflecting and getting him to like asking questions to getting him to look this is like pure Guinan from 30 years ago mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. this is fantastic do you want hooch you want some hooch eric 
No, I want top shelf. <laughs> Always top shelf. You know, Picardi, he has that good wine all the time. Sometimes you just gotta, you just gotta travel back. You just gotta get some hooch, a little jungle juice in the bathtub. It's fine, man. Yeah, but but she's like Picard, Picard. I've helped you through diplomatic crises. I've helped you with first contacts. I've done all of this. I've been there for you, been your confidant, but I've never seen you. Oh, wait, I have seen oh. this look before. We got to talk. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And again, it, the conversation basically boils down to the Picard. The only thing you've ever been afraid of is looking inside, whether it's synthetic or real. Like, that was the only thing you were afraid of getting broken was your heart. And you haven't moved past that. You're not past that part of your life. You could still have it. And this is clearly a, a theme that they're trying to lay out for this season of why is Picard alone? Why did he never find anyone? Or maybe he did. It was right? Vosh. It was Vosh, right? I was going to go with Beverly, but yeah. yeah. Sure. Oh, I mean, Vosh, Beverly. Yeah. There have been a few. We know. We, we see. We see. What He's like, does. of course I've loved sometimes very deeply but there was always the next mission and maybe I was making that as an excuse. Like yeah. there was always the next mission and I knew that, mm -hmm. you know, getting involved with somebody, I could always leave because duty would call. Right. Yeah. But I, I love the mess out of this scene. This was, this was just fantastic. Like, sure. It's, it's all nostalgia because we're in 10 forward and it's Guinan and, and they're drinking Saurian brandy from you know from the yeah. original series, right? It's all nostalgia, but and she's wearing like her little pancake I know, hat. Where she is, she's dressed in traditional Guinan garb. Love it, Guinan garb. Guinan garb. I don't know. I love the mess out of this scene. I was really happy when I first saw it, and mm. it made my little Star Trek heart feel good. Yeah, course, it was it was a bit of an indulgence, you know, but it was a, it was the good kind of indulgence, you know, and it didn't really it didn't really say much like you didn't learn any deep, dark secrets or anything like that. But it was it was a nice kind of like feel good, feel good moment in there. It, so it kind of like almost gives you a little bit of hope into, you know, well, what we eventually you know get into but it was it was really good I, I really enjoyed it too I just really hope that this isn't the only time that we're going to be seeing Guinan this season like if that if that's it I think I'm going to be a little disappointed well I think she's going to show up in this alternate timeline and she's going to have some sense that it's wrong just like she did in yesterday's Enterprise because if you watch the ready room the very first thing it started with was a, a, like a video clip of, of Whoopi Go an interview with Whoopi Goldberg and they were showing a bunch of scenes and a lot of the scenes that they were showing it said on the bottom yesterday's Enterprise so I think they were trying to tell us something but sure. I, you know, I, I know I don't like to make theories and read too much into like the previews but I think they're trying to lay hints that she's going to be in this alternate timeline and she's going to sense that something's wrong because there's also a clip in the you know, at the end, it says coming this season, they're like, we're not the only ones who realize that time has been screwed up. There, there's there's um, been been some some chatter 
in like some fan circles about the the use of Guinan this this season. And one of the ideas uh, that that have been kind of circling has to do with I believe it was uh, was it Q who where like she does like this like weird hand thing like with Q yeah like she like sticks her hands out like she's about to like zap him with something and like the what the fan like what a lot of a lot of fans are hoping or, or thinking is that yeah like she can detect like when things are kind of off like in terms of like universes and stuff or time or whatever it might be realities but that there's obviously there's history with Q and the fact that we have Q and Guinan in the same season they're like that that's one heck that, that that's that can't be just a coincidence like hopefully we're going to get some payoff from the Q who episode when they you know interacted that one time like you don't you don't know who who you're dealing with Picard like you need to stay away from this this imp I'm I'm just going to throw out the the one dissenting opinion here I look I I don't I don't dive into much in depth I I really kind of enjoy living in the moment of a lot of these shows so I don't always uh, watch the extracurriculars or listen (laughs) to other podcasts or all that stuff to me just judging strictly based on this I feel like she is the first page of the book and the bookend I don't think mm-hmm. she's going to be in this alternate timeline. And I think specifically when, when Eric, when you mentioned the someone else, I think that that was pointing more towards our Borg queen. And I could be wrong, but that was just the way I inferred. And you can cut and paste things hundred different ways to make it look hundred different ways. So I don't know, but I kind of think that when, when we get a resolution, I think we're going to go back to this bar and then, and then Guinan's going to be like, I, I, th- I think at that point, she might have something more to say about their possible adventure we're going to take here. But then also, I think we're going to kind of get that relational leap from Picard towards the end of the season. Like, he'll mm-hmm. take a chance finally. That that makes a lot of sense. Sure. Sure. Well, let's, let's keep on, let's keep on trucking. So, we... After everyone's, you know, had their assignments and after we've had this, like, conversation, like, with Guinan, uh, Picard's kind of turning in, or at least we think he's, like, turning in for the night, and there's this random admiral that shows up at his house, and they're, and they're like, hey, we need your help with something, check this out, and it's, it's the thing, it's the, the freaking comms thing from the Stargazer, and here's your badge, go check it out. But, no, but, but it says, after the message came in... It just repeated the entire Federation charter, like Article yeah. 15, which was like a request to join the Federation. Mm-hmm. Right? Help us, Picard, and then we want to join the Federation. Right. And they're like, uh, an alien race is reaching out, making first con- alien race that can rip a hole in time and yeah. space uh- is reaching out and wants to join the Federation. Like, we have to, we have to do this right now and of course we do and of course we do yeah of course we do so yeah here's your badge and he just grabs his jacket and gets the heck out of there as uh, freaking Laris is yeah. walking through the door with some flowers man you're just leaving her leaving her high and dry just like peacing out without even saying goodbye man come on Picard not come even on a dear, jail not even a dear Joan letter man 
Just like Paris, he's got a calling card. <laughs> Alright. So we we do beam aboard and we're greeted by Seven. And they're doing a little walk and talk, West Wing style. And along the way we see like random officers and crew just kind of like standing at attention as they're walking around and he's talking about his stargazer versus this stargazer and finally working our way to the bridge. And along the way, of course, we're having more of the conversation of being despised and feared, like the Borg and stuff, and like this technology is like Borg artifact, you know, incorporated into this sort of thing. And then I like this. I like the fact that Rios is uh, like, he, he does like a quick look, little grin, and then it says Admiral on the bridge. And every and like the bosun's whistle went, goes off. Like the sound effects, y'all. The sound effects actually sounded like, you know, that era of Star Trek. Like it actually sounded like actual sound effects. Like the the transporter, the bosun's whistle, the comp, like the 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 L cars. All the stuff just sounded right. It just sounded right. And uh, and yeah, we we get we get to it. We get to, hey, here's this message. I guess it's for me. You mind if I take this over? Sure. Go do your thing. And then kind of hearing what's up and not sure really what to do next. And this is probably one of Eric's favorite parts right here. Oh, you know me so well, Chase. I do. This this ship comes out of the anomaly. It, like, sticks out halfway. And they're like, oh, yeah, that's Borg, all right. And where do we go next? The ready room. Or the observation lounge. It looks. Right. It looked. It looked like the discovery captains. Captains, like you, the same. It looked like the same set, just redressed a little bit. It, they got probably, to sit down it, this time. They didn't yeah, have to stand. like well, only only Picard was sitting down. Everybody else was standing up. But if you notice, they're like, you're like, ah, oh, what 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 do we do? And Picard's like, I don't know. And he's looking around like, I don't know. What do you think? What do you think? What do you think? And seven of nine is not having it. She's like, no, the Borg no. are a menace. They murder. They assimilate. They murder. They murdered my parents. And then she turns to Jean Picard. and She's like, you know, better than anyone else what they do. But then like, this is where I think we learned something. This is like the one of the, one of the few carryovers that I found from the first season is in the impossible box when Hugh is giving him the tour of the reclamation project, Picard is like, you're showing what the Borg are underneath all this. They're victims. Like the actual individual Borg are victims. And we need, maybe we need to start thinking of the Borg as victims. And we can't just say the Borg are a menace who murder and assimilate because what David was pointing to earlier, like this is zombification. And if we if there's a chance that maybe we can help with that in some way, Picard's like, we have to take this. We can't just ignore this outright. We have to like at least look into this. And then Gerardi's like, I kind of agree. Sure, we got to be cautious, but this could be one of the biggest allies we ever have, the Federation. And we can't yeah. we can't just turn this down. And Picard is like you know, I think she's right. We have to kind of explore this. And this is like being a good diplomat here. Like we, we have to, and seven of nine is just like not having it. She's like, if we're wrong, then we destroy, destroy one board ship. 
Yeah. But if we're right, we stop an invasion. And, and she's the end like, of the Federation. The beginning yeah, of the end, end of the, of the Federation. Federation. Yeah. And then she's like, she's this is a, like this is the something is different. She drives like the Borg as we know it have been crippled. Like so, maybe they're not this menace, this plague. And Seven of Nine has this great line here. She's like, for the Borg, it's victory at all costs. If that means they can't fight their way, then they'll use deception to achieve their victory. Great line, great line right there. But I, I also, this is probably my favorite scene of the entire episode. We're just, we're talking through the situation. We're in our red yeah. room. We're in our observation lounge. Yeah, right? not let's just get, let's get some of this. Not just that, Eric, but like, in this, like, there's like that. You mentioned it like a, just a few minutes ago when we were talking about like first season compared to now and like, hey, by the way, you're the ranking officer on this ship. What do you want to do? Like leading up to this entire conversation. Like, so again, there's that reverence, that respect for Picard once again that I think was severely lacking last season. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And uh, this is where things really start to take off and get kind of cray-cray for this episode. Uh, we, the, we have, we have the, the, the Borg voice saying, time's up, we're, we're only going to negotiate now. We have to move forward negotiating, and we'll, it, we'll, we'll send an emissary. And it's this... We'll send we, our queen. They say we'll send over our queen. Right, and it's this this hooded figure, like it's in this like black helmet thing, like with a black cloak, black body armor, and, and everything. Doc, like, and Doc Ock arms. Yeah, just like shooting out, like <laughs> yep. friggin' Doctor Octopus for crying out loud. And uh, yeah, just like starts talking and like nothing's really happening. And but whatever, Rios we just need is like, power. Rios is like, no way in hell am I letting that thing on my ship. <laughs> now. At one point, he does hail the fleet and is like, hey, heads up, this stuff is going down. I was a little confused by this shot. I don't know if it was just, if I was just like tired or what, but he tells the helmsman, bring us back, like back. take us back. Yeah, yeah. But back then the off. ship goes forward. I think, I think that's just, just a perspective camera. thing, honestly. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it was just the way the camera was moving and positioned. I thought about that too, though. Okay, I'm glad I'm not alone on that yeah. one. Yeah, but like this, this hooded figure in Jurati's like, that's different. When they kind of got close up, it was almost like a collection of gears and stuff. It wasn't, mm-hmm. yeah, it was like, is there an organic component to these, in quotations, Borg? I don't know. I... But, but she was like, we want peace. But first, we need power. You know what I thought of? I immediately thought of the alien in Independence Day. Like, no peace. No peace. No peace. Yeah, that. What is it that you want? In the tie in, they also use data for that, for speaking peace. So there you go. There you go. There's your your, your Star Trek connection right there. Dr. Oaken. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then we're basically now caught up to the teaser, right? Mm-hmm. Seven of nine shoots first, right? Because 
Han shot first, so Seven has to shoot first. Before we, okay, before we talking about like letting all the shoosting begin and everything, can we, can we just talk about the fleet and the fact that it was not a copy and paste fleet and that Listen, there were some I, gorgeous I ships? I don't actually mind the copy and paste because I feel like that's the way you would actually build ships in real life. Hey, look, here's the ship design. Let's build a bunch of like the way we build cars, right? Here's a bunch of cars they all look the same right yeah we've got different ones we're not just gonna make one ship that looks like this we're gonna make a bunch that looks like this so i know i didn't mind the cut and paste right from season one look we had not only did we have the uh the sagan class stargazer that uh, rios was captaining we had a galaxy class we had a sovereign class we had some steam runners we had some novas and if you, it's a blink and you miss it kind of thing, we have a universe class starship in here as well. Universe being the Enterprise J, by the way, from uh, Enterprise. So it probably wasn't the actual Enterprise J, but a blink and you miss it, and you see a universe class at the bottom left of the screen um, at one point. Um, and I can show you guys at some point if you really want to see it. But it, w- it was so stinking cool, like, just seeing all of them. I think there might have been, um, there might have been, like, a Voyager-looking ship, maybe, at one point. But, like, there, like, there's just so much variety. I loved it. I loved it so much. Loved it so much. Okay. So, yeah, all the shoosting has begun. We um, the, the emissary has gone all Doc Ock on us. And uh, it's collecting power. We're we, look, we we've started shooting. We're we're shooting freaking laser beams from our chest uh, back at people, which is apparently stunning them. It's only stunning them. And I think this is like there, this was like kind of a part I wasn't too crazy about is that like you have Picard who's just like laying down the, almost the entire time, like kneeling down like the entire time, like on the floor right next to this. Borg thing. Even if he is a hundred, I mean, like, I don't know. Like that was just kind of. I mean, he's not the action hero. Not anymore, right? <laughs> well, he never was, was he? I mean, did you see First Contact? I mean, yeah. <laughs> he brought out the guns, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like sure. <laughs> but he was supposed to be distinguished from James Kirk, action hero. I mean, he punched a Ferengi. Once or twice, it's fine. Yeah. Okay. And yeah, he did turn into the last action hero in Star Trek First Contact. Sure. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think for me, a lot of this was confusing because it's like, okay, are they really under attack? Or is this an invention of everything else that will come in the next minute or so? Or if you were to let this play out in its entirety or even if you come back to this moment which i assume is what we'll rehash later in the season as we sort of get towards the end of our adventure is this really a turning point for the borg and they needed something something else and this is just the worst way possible of getting it like maybe they're looking for some sort of understanding and Mm -hmm. Instead, we all got blown up. Mm-hmm. 
or did we? Hmm. So. So maybe I was just like hearing what I wanted to hear. I don't know. But whenever the, this countdown starts, okay, so like stuff's hitting the fan and we're, we're getting all these percent percentages of how much the ship and the fleet by extension has been assimilated um, is going to be used as an armada perhaps unless we blow the thing up. And Picard uses his super awesome admiral powers and sets the um, self-destruct sequence down to like 10 seconds, which I thought was kind of like silly. Like how I would think that like with the Borg, you would just, I don't know, lock out command codes. Like as soon as you start to assimilate systems, that's just me. And yet he's able to do it like at 85, 90%. No big deal. When, whenever the countdown starts, okay, the computer says the emerging disrupt sequence is now activated. Destruction in 10, 9, the, the Borg Queen says Picard, 8, and as soon as it hits 7, 7, it's right on the Borg Queen. Now, I said lat, in the first season something about, like, you know, 7 being the Borg Queen at some point, or doing some kind of Borg Queen stuff. Part of me is wondering if that's like a hint that that maybe that is seven underneath all that from like a past or something and having to do this out of necessity for something grander or whatever. Oh, so, so that's, you think it's not Annie Wershing? In that suit? No, I don't. I don't think that's Annie Wershing in that mask suit. I mean, that just makes sense. Like, to me, it makes sense. Like, you're wearing a mask. Like, you don't want to give away, like, oh, that seven is the Borg or Queen or whatever. So that's that's me. That's where yeah, I'm at with she that. Did, she did plug herself into the Borg cube, right, last mm-hmm. season. I mean, it could be. Right? I, I didn't even think of that, but could be. I have nothing to say. Time is stupid. <laughs> anyway, anyway. Three, two, one. Boom. boom. That was good. We didn't even practice that. That was good. I know. There goes the stargazer. We barely knew her. Yeah, we barely knew her. Pr- plenty of letters left in the alphabet. It's fine. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, Picard is, is back home. He's back home doing something, just wandering around, and he's got this new cool little badge on his jacket now. And It's this cool, gigantic, it's by the way. huge. <laughs> My goodness, it's like the size of like a friggin' like, coffee coaster or something. It's huge. And we see this beautiful oil painting, which I kind of want, actually. I think it's gorgeous looking. That's you a, want you want pucker lip Picard up there? On let's your, do it. Let's get on it on your wall. Yeah, let's why not? Let's go right right here, right here in the ready room. Just saying. Um, and he's like calling for Laris, and there's no Laris, and friggin' was it Harvey shows up? Yeah, yeah it Harvey. Like the, it was like one of those F eight synthetics from mm-hmm. from last season that mm-hmm. like attack Mars and asking where he is and or where she is and yada 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 and he starts having like this like almost breakdown like what is happening here and then this random disembodied voice comes up out of nowhere an excellent question Jean-Luc mon capitaine how I've missed you 
And the way Patrick Stewart just delivered the no, 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 was just brilliant. I love that so much, the way he said that. And then we get this, like, deep fake version of Q. Yeah, it's like the de-aging technology. It actually looked pretty good, though. It looked really good. Because it was from far away. You never saw him up close. That's why it looked good. It wasn't like General Tarkin. <laughs> I actually like Tarkin in Rogue One. It was, okay. it was. I didn't think that that was terrible, but I, I understand what you mean. You're a bit older than I imagined. Here, let me catch up. There, now we're even. And then, of course, the trial never ends. Yeah, like, what did I tell you when last we met? The trial never ends. Welcome to the end of the road not taken. And, like, I, I haven't been reading any of the articles that John, John Delancey has been giving some interviews lately. I haven't really read any of them, but they're basically like, this is a different cue than the cue we've seen before, is like the headline of all the articles. There was like an anger in John Delancey's voice here as he's talking, right? That, you know, I never thought of Q as being angry, but they're just sounded like a real anger in his voice and for sure if you see the 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 clips of you know what's coming this season there's feels like there's a lot more anger in his voice as well like me i don't know what that means exactly for sure yeah and then that's it finally got to it that's it and uh personally i'm hoping that this isn't just a rehash of you know, tapestry. I really hope it's not. Cause I, I, I would not like that. Just saying. Just putting it out there. I just don't want it to be another rehash of, of tapestry. So, let's. I, I don't really want it to be a rehash of um, past tense either. Yeah, yeah. Cause we're going into uh, twenty twenty four by the way, which is right around that time, right around that time. So let's, um, any, any final comments, any final whatever's before we do valuation stuff? I mean, I just got to say that, like, I mean, I said this over two years ago. I said, you know, we need, the only way Picard can end as a show is with Q coming back and saying, what did I tell you? The trial never ends. That's the whole point. And, like, I just want to say that long before this season was ever conceived, I had that idea. And I said, that needs to happen at some point in this show. Now, maybe the writers already had that in mind when they created the show. But I said that well over two years ago, that this has to happen in Picard. And here it is, right? I willed it into existence by putting it into the ether. Wow. <laughs> Look at Eric go. Wow. Any final thoughts, dude? Q is never my favorite part of Trek, period. And, and I'm not I'm not even gonna claim like I'm necessarily excited about Q in this capacity because I I, I hate the butterfly effect stuff. I don't I, I, I'm sorry. I just don't enjoy this because there was a part in our 
little preview thing where it talks about like one change made in Los Angeles. It's like, I don't care about one change, the butterfly that got stepped on in the Jurassic period. I, I, I don't, I don't really, I don't really care about that. I, I mean, as far as just stuff that I generally watch, but like the other thing that, that Eric kind of, you know, talked about there about, you know, maybe an angrier Q, why? Why do we have to change Q? Why do we have to have a different Q? The, his whole his whole thing is although he is meddlesome kind of like a you like a low-key character where it's 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 meddlesome in things it, it's always been sort of the impression that while he's crazy judgmental he also is behind the human race he is still trying to sort of push it just push it harder than what they're pushing themselves to do like taking to the to the limits of endurance type of deal which I mean, just a, a cycle back to when we first met the board is because of Q. So my, my whole thing is, is that I just don't see why we would need to change Q. Why would we would need to change the dynamic or the eventual end goal to it? But there again, who knows? I can't predict television anymore. Sure. Okay, let's let's get into the uh, the eval of this. Um, I don't know how fair it would be to try and do a delta at this point, um, with it just being like one, it's been two years, and we're just kind of like almost resetting in a way. So I mean, we can give. I think we can give a command delta, but I don't even think it's like it's like an incomplete or on all the on the science and engineering and operations. Yeah, I agree. Well, I mean, figuring out the wave and figuring out what it said, and you could kind of talk about that a wee bit, but yeah. I, yeah. I think it's I think it's minuscule. Yeah. So let's let's just kind of hold off on that, and uh, ideally we'll be able to kind of, you know, bring that back maybe next time. So uh, let's go into our number rating. So scale of one to ten, one being a dumpster fire, ten being absolutely amazing. Uh, what do we got? Let's start with uh, Eric on this one. And it was a long two years waiting for this show to come back, right? I like season one. I, I, I know it wasn't everyone's favorite. I like season one. Um, and I've been waiting for this to come back for a long time. Listen, we got two full seasons of Discovery, basically. We got two full seasons of Lower Decks. We got a season of Prodigy in there in between these two seasons of Picard and man I am so glad this show is back because it has been a lot of down a lot more down than I think up since this show has gone away right I mean I have not been the biggest fan of some of the things that have happened and I am just glad to have this show back like I got up Thursday morning at 5 o'clock to watch this like I was super excited. I was super pumped and I was into it the whole time I was watching it. Like I was not, I've been, you know, discovery. I've been like, Ooh, let's do the dishes or let's like grab my phone. But I was, I was into this. I was entertained. The teaser just hooked me. I mean, it just felt right. Everything about it felt like there was a, there was a care. Like they took their time. I felt like to really, make a good episode which i'm not sure that discovery really does at this point 
like I don't want to knock Discovery too much, but the like these two shows, there's just like a really stark difference between them. And there were so many things that happened in this episode that made my little Star Trek heart happy, right? Seeing Guinan, seeing them sitting on the bridge, or the the in the ready room, you know, at, at the observation lounge, whatever you want to call it. Um, the respect for Picard, almost like like everything just felt right, and I was so happy. Uh, and I'm just like, say what you will about where you think the storyline is going to go from here. Do you like alternate timelines? Do you like time travel? You know, is this going to be a rehash of Tapestry? Forget all of that. I don't think that should play a part into the rating of this episode. But like, I just enjoyed the mess out of this episode. Everything about it, like, worked for me. Like, literally everything about this story worked for me. And I'm going to be generous. I'm going to be happy here, and I'm going to give it a nine. Okay. I enjoyed the heck out of this. Okay. David, man. Yeah, I mean, I, I really I really enjoyed the episode as well. I mean, it's... Gosh, I don't even know when the last time I've watched an episode of anything Star Trek twice. Um, and again, like, I, it's not trying to be a hater on other series or anything. It's just I haven't really found all that much interesting or entertaining about other series to the, I mean, aside from prodigy, you did give one episode of 10 (laughs) a prodigy episode. Yeah. Well, that was pretty, I was prodigy. So that's why I wanted to bring it up. So, you know, prodigy was a little different, but, um, yeah, I, I, I think that, I think that it felt pretty good. We started off hot, slowed down a little bit, kind of continued a little bit of a ramp and a slowdown. And I think, um, I don't know. I think overall, I kind of echo a little bit of Eric's sentiments there. Just, it just sort of felt good to be, to be there, to be involved in what we were seeing. Now I'm not, I'm not necessarily wanting, allowing it to color the, the review of the episode, but the only reaction I had when, when the show ended was, oh, great. This is where we're going. Because, you know, I, I mean, I just, I hate being negative about it. I, I hate rehashing over and over and over again, but there's a reason why I don't like these kind of plot lines. There's a reason why I, I just over and over and over again, I have to say it is because it's done over and over and over and over again. I would like to see an original idea eventually come out of a show that was so original for so long. And yeah, there's always rehashes. I get that. But the fact that spatial anomaly, time loop, go back in time to fix the one thing that was changed butterfly effect. And then the possibility that it can all be undone by a benevolent, you know, entity that could not have your best interest involved. I, I don't know. So I, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to bash the show that this episode one for what I perceive to potentially be the future of the series. Um, but it did, it felt good. I liked the guy in parts, you know, I, I like Picard sort of happy on a vineyard. Um, I read a comment somewhere that said, 
Picard on a vineyard? Yes, Picard on a vineyard. What, what are, do we have to catch up here? I mean, what are we talking about? This is like family <laughs> legacy stuff here. Get out of here. Of course he's going to be on a vineyard when he's 150 years old. Come on. What's he going to do? Um, but seeing Rios kind of, you know, back in an element, seeing Rafi back in the element, um, seeing the legacy, uh, you know, going forward, and and maybe my only hope going forward is is Picard, you know, maybe trying to hang on and 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 build upon the legacy that he created, and and accepting that you know what, my life was pretty freaking cool, and I don't have any regrets. Q, I'm perfectly happy with it, just like I told you all those years ago, type of deal. And that could be a potential lesson that I could accept with with a Q storyline. Um, but with all that being said, I, I think I'd be a, a little bit higher, a little bit on proverbial high side, maybe not quite as high as Eric. I, I was thinking, I was probably thinking somewhere in the range of like an 8-8. Eight, eight. Okay. Sounds good. Okay, so we have Eric with a 9 and David with an 8-8. Eight, eight. All right. Uh, I remember watching it the first time and just being so giddy watching everything just roll out and like especially like the music and like just like the opening scenes just like how like the opening credits and how that was used and like the visuals with that like I just absolutely loved it I I, I loved just the just this this whole story like was just brilliant and like the anticipation like leading up to it I remember watching or reading a lot of Doug Drexler stuff and being a little apprehensive like many of the fans were um, based off what they saw with with the first season and I'm so glad that that it it lived up to the hype that one of the art directors um, had made of it and I mean there there are very few things that I don't like about this episode just very few um, and I mean I think y'all have said things well enough to where I don't need to like really rehash much of it so I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna you know do something that I haven't been able to do in quite a while um, at least a month or so is I'm going to give a rating higher than Eric for once uh, in, in over a month um, and I'm gonna go with um, with a nine two on this. I, I absolutely love this episode, so I'm, I'm ending my streak as of right now until Thursday of of low rankings. Listen, gentlemen, doesn't it feel so good to come in here and give a rating like yeah. nine, eight point eight, nine point two, and not four point two or yeah, four point eight or five right. or five point one? Yeah. Doesn't it feel good? Like, this is how I want to feel watching a Star Trek episode and talking about it with you. I don't want to be like, oh, man, ugh, I couldn't even get through that. It was so awful. Like, hey, yeah. you wanted to rate last week's Discovery a three. I did. And y'all like, talked me out of it. Like, we had to talk you off the ledge of rating that episode a three. You did. You did, by the way. This feels good. This feels good right now. Very and, good. And, you know, maybe we're overreacting to this episode because we saw the two of them, you know, this, the Stargazer and Rosetta on the same day. 
and there was a like a distinct difference in quality so maybe like that pushed our ratings in opposite directions but i don't care because this just feels good well and i think even too you know we're not recording on the same nights that that we're watching the shows either like the only one we're doing for that is discovery um just because of availability for for us to be able to do that so i think like even having like the separation like it kind of helps you know because like yeah we can watch both of them like the same day but i don't know like we, we spread it out some like so it, it, it kind of helps with that that bias that we may or may not have in a way yeah but if you watch the episodes back to back right i don't yeah. know if I, any of you two watched them back to back but if you did the difference could like make you think wow man discovery is really terrible sure you know what else is really good eric what's that chase a twitter poll that's right <laughs> all right so before we get out of here i uh, i polled the people of twitter and uh, here's the question who is your favorite hashtag star trek composer the choices were jerry goldsmith michael gaiacino dennis mccarthy or jeff russo Well, it's not Jeff Russo. Like, I am not necessarily a fan. Okay. Um. I mean, it's got to be Jerry Goldsmith, right? I mean, he just—it's iconic. The sure. The 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 you know the motion picture theme. I like to think of it as the next generation theme, but it's really from the motion picture. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. I like it. I'm just gonna go with Jerry Goldsmith. Yeah, same. So, in, in um, with with the time that we're at with with this show already, um, I th I feel like we we tend to go really long on like the season premieres of stuff, but that's okay. Yeah. Uh, so, the people so the people have spoken. We had a two way tie for last place. You ready for this? So with 0% of the vote went, went to Dennis McCarthy and Jeff Russo. Okay, which means that um, the runner-up in this case with 20% of the vote was Michael Gaiacino, and the winner with 80% was Jerry Goldsmith. So there we go. Yeah. So. I mean, and, you know, that Voyager theme is banging, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that Voyager theme is awesome. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Doom, doom, doom. Um, timpanies, yeah. Yeah, giant drums. Yeah, good old timpani. All right, well that's it. We're that's that's the show, everyone. And um, I know that the guys are probably glad since this has been a little bit of a longer episode. Um, eh, kind of. But uh, anyways, we'll be back next time to talk about um, start um, uh, Star Trek Picard episode two, season four, and. Uh, just uh you know for the next couple of weeks we'll be doing double duty so um if you haven't listened already the um the our rosetta uh discussion from star trek discovery is already out and um so as of right now discovery stuff will be coming out on like either a sunday or monday just depending on how my week is going uh with getting it out and then picard will come out come out on either tuesday or wednesday while they're you know dueling with each other essentially um 
when they're when we're doing two two episodes a week. So, um, anyways, that's it. That's the show. Hope everyone enjoyed it. Um, I really hope y'all were excited. Y'all are excited for the season. I know we are based on these ratings for, for crying out loud. Which, by the way, with the nine and eight point eight and nine point two, that's an average rating of a nine of our three scores averaged together. So there we go. Uh, very very great way to start a season, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, if you want to um, interact with us, check us out trtvpod.com. Uh, uh, remember, we're on all the things: Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all at trtvpod. Uh, if you do want to interact with us, you want to send us an email or something like that, we'd love to read your email, uh, read any comments you might have. Uh, make sure you open up Handling Frequencies and send it to trtvpod at gmail.com. You can also send us a voice-only transmission to 817-752-4757. Remember, there's a three-minute limit before the Borg Queen or the Emissary or the whoever with a cool biker mask uh, does their Doc Ock thing and takes over our ship, which that's not cool. Uh, finally, if you want to mail us something, uh, like a first edition book, I would personally love that. I know David would, too. Probably even Eric. First edition book. I mean, come on, that would be great. Lone Star Station, P.O. Box 2455, Azel, Texas, 76098. Everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. And as always, remember to boldly go and make it so.